Welcome to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. Today we're going to talk about Hurricane Ian. It's a major hurricane with maximum sustained winds of 125 miles an hour. It has made landfall as a Category 3 hurricane in western Cuba, and now it's barreling toward the Tampa Bay area. The Tampa Bay region is under a hurricane warning and a storm surge warning. Evacuations of tens of thousands of residents have been ordered in nearly all of the Tampa Bay counties. So I hope you're safe out there, and I hope that you have tuned into WMNF to get some information. What do we need to know about Hurricane Ian? Joining us now to to take answers to your questions is Florida Public Radio Emergency Network meteorologist Megan Borowski. Welcome to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe, Megan. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm so glad you could join us. And so let's start with the big question. This doesn't seem like a run-of-the-mill Florida hurricane. This is this seems like something different, doesn't it? Well, um, in, in terms of the fact that the models keep wobbling so darn much, um, usually by this point, uh, about, you know, 24 to 36 hours before projected landfall, we, we typically are, are increasing confidence in where landfall will actually occur. But even overnight last night into this morning, the, the wide scale or the global models are wobbling and the regional scale models are suggesting that maybe this thing is going to take a, a harder right-hand turn. So what th- what does that mean for the Tampa Bay area? Some of the models are saying that uh, it's it was expected to go right up through Tampa Bay, but a harder right turn would essentially put landfall further south than, than the Sunshine Skyway Bridge in Tampa Bay. Right. Um, so again, this is not set in stone. This is just a, a few models showing maybe a right-hand turn closer to Sarasota, but uh, the range shields from Ian uh, will, will still likely nail the Tampa Bay area. And so we're still looking at upwards of a foot, maybe even locally higher in terms of rainfall accumulation. So flooding uh, will still be a threat. And of course, depending on uh, the, the geography, the microgeography of the coastline, um, we'll still be dealing with, with an influx of storm surge to those areas that are perpendicular to the wind flow. Let's talk about storm surge for a minute because this is something that has been really on the mind of emergency uh, people the last few days. Um, storm surge, first of all, just tell us what that means. So in a simple description, it's pretty much just water piling up or being shoved on shore. So you have your, your normal sea level, um, but then of course you've got those winds that are on shore and they're almost acting like a snow cloud that's just pushing that ocean water or that bay water on shore. So the official forecast um, as of the um, earlier update from the National Rural Hurricane Center is looking at about five to 10 feet anywhere from the area of Tarpon Springs, including Tampa Bay, all the way south to Bonita Springs. Now, you're, you're using numbers like five to 10 feet, and I want to put that in perspective for people. Someone m- might not know much about storm surge and might think, oh, well, five feet of storm surge, I've, I've been in a swimming pool in five feet of water. Um, that's not a dangerous amount of water, but the difference, what's the difference then between standing water and, and storm surge where the ocean is essentially five to 10 feet higher? Well, you, if you've got moving floodwaters, um, you know, that can easily just a, a few inches or half a foot can wipe you off your feet. Um, you know, and we've got to think about the other hazards that this storm, you know, is going to pose. We'll have hurricane, major hurricane force winds uh, right near the center of the, the eyewall. Um, we'll have driving rain rates and the, the, the storm surge pushing ashore. 
So all of those factors combined, it's a very, it's a life-threatening situation. You don't want to be out in it. You don't want to think, oh, I can take it and it'll be fine um, because it, it's a combination of, of threats from this storm. I want to remind people that they're listening to WMNF Tampa. I'm Sean Canan. This is WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. We're speaking with Florida Public Radio Emergency Network meteorologist Megan Borowski. And uh, we're talking about Hurricane Ian expected to make landfall on Wednesday or Thursday and very much either in the Tampa Bay area or just south of the Tampa Bay area is the, is the projected landfall right now. What, when can we expect tropical storm strength winds? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. So um, earliest time of arrival could be uh, the Tampa Bay area and St. Pete area as early as just after midnight tonight. Now, it's more likely than not it'll be closer to daybreak tomorrow morning that we'll start to have those tropical storm force winds. So just for reference, that's about 39 to 73 mile an hour winds. Um, And of course, as time goes on tomorrow throughout the day, um, we'll see those winds becoming more sustained and increasing, especially as that, that eyeball in the center of the storm gets closer to our area. What is the miles per hour of tropical storm force winds? Um, so yeah, tropical storm force winds, uh, it'll range from 39 to 73 miles an hour. Once you get to that 74 mile an hour mark, that's hurricane force winds. And I want to read something that just came to me right now. Um, we just got an email from Manatee County, and it's in Manatee County is writing with the latest forecasts of Hurricane Ian showing what will be a significant impact along the Manatee County coastline. Emergency management officials have expanded the mandatory evacuation order to include both Level A and Level B in Manatee County. Additional, additionally, residents living in evacuation level C are encouraged to find shelter further inland. So here we knew that Manatee County was evacuating everyone in level A, but now they have extended, expanded mandatory evacuations to include level B. What do you think prompted this, Megan? Um, well, I know for a fact that emergency managers work closely with the National Weather Service office in Tampa and then also the National Hurricane Center. Um, so those personnel are, dialogue is going back and forth. They are briefing, um, NWS personnel are briefing the emergency managers on their latest updates. Um, and also they have the latest data coming in as well from, from the National Hurricane Center. Um, it, it's likely due to um that you know the expectation that the eyewall is going to track very close to Manatee County and um, you know life-threatening and potentially unsurvivable storm surge and, and winds are possible at times. So if you are in a level A or level B evacuation zone in Manatee County, you are under mandatory evacuations. You're listening to WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. This is Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. I'm joined with Megan Borowski from the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. She's a meteorologist there and has brought you storm coverage all this week and uh, all throughout the the storm season, of course. just a few days ago, Hurricane Ian was a tropical storm. And before that, just an invest or however they describe before it becomes a tropical storm. What's caused Ian to strengthen? Well, we've not had a whole lot of activity uh, in the, especially in the, in the Western Caribbean and the Eastern Gulf of Mexico, or, or really the Gulf of Mexico at all. Um, so you kind of get the stratification of, of, sea surf, of the sea surface. So you get those warmer waters pooling up, you get a deeper column of warm waters 
Um, and that serves as fuel for tropical cyclones. There are, you know, hurricanes, tropical storms invest. They're all clusters of thunderstorms that organize. And thunderstorms feed off of moisture, uh, warm water, instability in the atmosphere. So the deeper pool of warm water you have, the more energy that's available for the storm. As the storm sits over water, it helps, um, you know, it churns the water. You have upwelling, and that'll bring cooler waters upward. If you've got a deep column of warm water, you're not going to get that cooler water toward the surface, and that's not going to detract from storm intensity. So that's one of the things. Also, the atmospheric winds um, right now, Ian, is in an area that's very favorable. It'll keep those thunderstorms organized. As it does move northward, there is increasing wind shear in um, the, the higher latitudes, and that could help to shred it once it, it moves further north. But it's, it's going through an area where all the ingredients are in place, and that's why we're expecting it to continue strengthening before landfall. And the anticipation is that it may be a Category 4 out there in the Gulf of Mexico before it, it hits landfall. And who knows, maybe weak into a 3 or maybe not as it's hitting the southwest coast of Florida. Yeah, we're going to see that uh, the, the forecast probably change a little bit but yeah we are expecting at some point later today for it to become a category four and then uh as of the the latest nhc track uh approach landfall is a cat three but you know at that point once you hit major hurricane status with those winds um near right now it's near 130 miles an hour if we get you know five to ten uh, mile an hour difference at that that magnitude um it's it's still life-threatening either way um, so at this point, don't take the, the category as, oh, it's only a three. It's not a four anymore because it is still a dangerous storm. We have a listener named Nick who writes in to say, if the storm crosses the state south of Tampa, St. Petersburg, that he suggests that there's a very high chance of tornadoes. So what can you say about the chance of tornadoes with Hurricane Ian? So um, we're actually already seeing some some tornadoes spawn over the Keys. We had a couple of warnings overnight. We had one morning this morning um, around 6.45 in the lower Keys. Uh, traditionally, and, and with the dynamics of a tropical system, the way the rotation is, um, your best bet for the highest concentration of tornadoes is going to be in the right front quadrant. So if you look at the motion of the storm, um, that top right quadrant of, of the hurricane is where you'll be most likely to have tornadoes. There have been tornadoes observed in all the quadrants, but that's the one that you'll most likely get the highest concentration. So if we do have Ian um, hook to the right and the Tampa Bay area is to the left of the storm, there's a chance that your tornado risk will decrease. And actually there is a tornado watch in effect for, for South Florida, anywhere from from Naples southward. So it hasn't really nudged into our area yet, but we are going to see those watches expand. Um, I know that really the entire peninsula is under a level three out of five risk for tornadoes today. Um, that continues to tomorrow and then the risk shifts eastward toward the space coast. Our guest is Florida Public Radio Emergency Network meteorologist Megan Borowski. You're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We're talking about Hurricane Ian, maximum sustained winds of 125 miles an hour at the, at the I believe it was the um, 10 o'clock. Uh, the the yep. 8 o'clock update. Sorry about that. And um, 
there's there should be another update at 11. We might yes. not get to that before the end of the show, but um, certainly watch f- for what the update is. And in fact, I should say that you know we were talking about whether the the storm might be hooking or or turning a little bit to the right. And Governor DeSantis just had a press conference maybe a half an hour ago, and in that press conference, he was pointing out that he actually said that the uh, landfall might be closer to Venice. And mm-hmm. that the eleven o'clock update might reflect that. Do you know anything right. about about where he got that information? Right. So he's my guy. You know, he's in contact with um, forecasters at the National Hurricane Center and, and emergency managers, and I'm sure they have their they have a team of meteorologists at, at CERT in Tallahassee. Um, and my guess is they are all seeing what we've been seeing in the storm center, and that's um, the Euro and the GFS. Those are the global models. They're hooking it to the right, and then there's a higher resolution model. Um, that is also hooking it to the right, closer closer to the Fort Myers uh, area. And so um, it'll, I'm quite interested and I'm really anticipating this 11 o'clock update. One, to see if um, winds have picked up and actually gotten a Category 4 strength because pressure has continually dropped over the past 24 hours and, and Ian continues to strengthen in that respect. Um, so that's the first thing I'm looking for. And number two is, is we'll see if there's a shift in the cone. Um, to reflect more of what the models are showing now. And kind of what we opened the show with, it, it was quite um, interesting to see how how the models have been trying to nail this down and they're still trying to figure it out. Part of the reason I believe is there is a cold front that is, is stalled or it's starting to stall over um, North Florida and the dynamics of that interacting with, with the hurricane are, are likely influencing the fact that the models can't really nail it down yet. One of the things that emergency managers were were emphasizing yesterday is that this was still when the track was looking like it would pass parallel to Pinellas County and the the hurricane storm would slow down in in its forward movement quite a lot. And people were concerned that that slowdown would mean there would be lots and lots of rain. Well, I'm still looking at, even as the track has has changed to the south, I guess, or to to the east, there's still a lot of rain expected in the Tampa Bay area. I looked at the National Weather Service and I think that it's 15 to 20 inches over most of Pinellas County and Hillsborough County. That's how much rain is expected this week. Yeah, um, locally up to 20 inches could could occur in some spots um, of the Tampa Bay metro area. Um, again, it's because there are dynamics of, of the front to our north um, we've got a moisture pool just ahead of that front, right in the environment of Ian. So we've got, um, you know, the thunderstorm activity, obviously, from Ian. We've got elevated lift thanks to that cold front. We've got a whole lot of, uh, of moisture in the atmosphere, and that will likely uh, trigger a massive amount of rainfall, quite frankly. Um, we're, you know, we're looking at you up to a, a foot anywhere from Tampa east, uh, paralleling the Ag Fork corridor. And the latest model runs um, that I've been looking at show a, a good deal of the rain shield setting up um, on the west side of the track, closer to the vicinity of the front, where we have that increased atmospheric lift. I have a question here that came in from Marguerite. She asks, after a storm, down trees always lay in the same direction, and she assumes that's because of wind. She says, is there a way to predict which direction the trees will fall and she asks because she's wondering which part of her house is most at risk from trees. Right. Um, so it's all going to depend on, on your orientation relative to the center of the storm. So if you look at a map and, and you see where you are, um, just 
keep in mind that basically uh, winds will rotate um, counterclockwise around a tropical cyclone or any area of low pressure. That's going to be the predominant pattern of the wind flow. Now, of course, at the micro scale, you've got to incorporate atmospheric uh, or, or friction for the surface of the earth and, and those sorts of things. But overall, just compare where you are relative to the center of the storm, and that should give you a good idea of lower level winds. Now, on, on top of the straight line wind risk from Ian, there is also the tornado risk, which we talked about. And um, with that, you're going to get sporadic um, debris fall. Um, so it, it is not as easy to predict, you know, what side of your house might be safer. I'd say um, in, in whichever case, go to the interior most part of your house um, away from windows. And another thing to consider is that once the hurricane passes, then the direction of the wind will shift. Exactly. Right. So this is not a, a, you know, oh, I'm just looking at where the storm is now compared to my house. Um, it's something that, you, that you've got to be watching. Um, if you are that concerned about large trees, you know, falling on your house, I'd suggest um, if you are in the, the capacity to do so and conditions are still safe outside, um, get to a, a safer location, the storm shelter, um, where you know that you're not going to have to worry about those sorts of threats. Our guest is Florida Public Radio Emergency Network meteorologist Megan Borowski, and you're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. You know, maybe this would be, a, I have lots of other questions, Megan, but maybe this would be a good time for you just to explain what is the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network? Yes, so um, we're, we're a partnership among all the NPR stations across the state of Florida, and our particular service is, is we provide content about um, emergency disasters across the state and across the nation. And our team, we're based out of the University of Florida here in, in Gainesville, Florida. Um, it's a safe centralized location away from the coastline. That way we can provide storm ops uh, throughout these situations. Um, and we provide audio, digital, and TV content to all our NPR partners before an event, during an event, and after events to keep our audiences safe across the state. And to our listeners, if you'd like to find information that is provided by FPREN to WMNF, you can go to WMNF.org slash weather and you can find all of their graphics and their information there. So I should ask, Megan, um, you, we've been talking about possible evacuations and what is the, what's the key for when people should decide whether they should evacuate or not? Well... I'd say first listen to emergency managers. Um, they go through extensive training seminars during the off season. They are continually on um, on the best practices of, of when they issue, issue those evacuation orders. But on even a smaller scale, you are the only one who knows your home and knows the needs of your family. So if you're in a situation, you know where you um, you're living in a vulnerable area, you know your house, you know your home's vulnerabilities. It's up to you to make that call. Um, and it's always better to be safe than sorry. It's always better to evacuate and keep your family safe um, than to make a make a rash decision and, and ride it out. Um, because there comes a point where when conditions, if they um, rapidly deteriorate, uh, emergency officials won't be able to come and rescue you and you'll be on your own. So evaluate your unique situation, understand your needs of your family and your property and make decisions that way, but always heed advice from emergency managers. 
And for example, the emergency managers in Manatee County during this show just said that they were evacuating, requiring mandatory evacuations in zones A and now B as well. Where can someone find information about which evacuation zone they're in? Um, Well, on the Florida Storms app, if you download that, we do have a map that that graphs that actually points where you are and then it tells you what evacuation zone you're in. Also, if you log on to floridadisaster.org, you can navigate to um, evacuation zones and again, it'll geolocate you and tell you what location you're in, what evacuation zone you're in as well. What would people take if they're evacuating? Let's say they're taking their pets and they're trying to find a shelter. What, what could they take and how do they find information about shelters? Um, so all of that as well is, is located on floridadisaster.org. It's a one-stop shop for all that information. Um, a couple of quick tips, things that I, I find are, are important um, to bring with you. All your important documents, um, you know, clothes that will get you through uh, an extended stay away from home medicines. If you have medications and prescriptions, please bring those with you. Um, Food for your pets, pet food bowls. Um, I know I've got a a dog that I I have to consider now for if if I need to shelter in place. Um, And if you're sheltering in place, food and water um, for for at least 36 hours. But if you're going to a shelter, um, consider bringing dry goods. If you have children, uh, toys and things to, to keep them occupied. You know, you're going to be inside for an extended period of time. Um, but their necessities, clothes-wise, and uh, important documents and medications, those are my big three. I want to remind people that we're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. You're listening to WMNF Tampa. And the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network meteorologist Megan Borowski is our guest for the first half of this show. Uh, we have her on for a few more minutes. What can you tell us, Megan, then about what people, if there are people who are staying at home, they're staying put, they've decided things are going to be safe, safer in my house than perhaps getting on the road, but what should they make sure that they have maybe in this last few hours of, of uh, being able to gather supplies? Have uh, enough water for one, one gallon per person per day. Don't forget your pets. Um, dry goods, canned goods, don't forget the can opener or get the pop-top cans. Um Battery powered flashlights, avoid, avoid, avoid candles, um, use, use flashlights, have cash on hand for post storm um, as the power might still be out. You might not be able to use your credit cards, have your important documents and all, all important things in one location. So if you do have to leave, you can grab them quickly and get out. Um, a battery powered or hand crank weather radio so you can get alerts during the storm. Um, and that, that's, that's the main, those are the main things that you need. But I strongly encourage if an evacuation order is issued for your area, get out. Um, yeah. Yeah, and for people who do stay behind, it's not always just the storm that you have to be concerned about because, what, you know, yeah, the uh, almost certainly we are expecting a loss of power, a widespread loss mm-hmm. of power. Uh, mm-hmm. Five years ago, I forget what the storm was, but... Um, you know, I was I evacuated this the the area, and my at my house the electricity was off for a week. So even if I had gone back, or even if I had stayed, it would have still been kind of a, a you know really different kind of way of living without a refrigerator, without air conditioning. So you have to keep that in mind as well. Exactly, one hundred percent. 
Well, before I let you go, what else is there that people should know about Hurricane Ian and uh, whether, you know, just all the all the various things, where it might head and what you should be preparing for? Well, yeah, um, we're, you know, this storm so far has been very hard to nail down in terms of the forecast track. Now, the, the last NHC track that has been issued, uh, the center of that cone takes storm through the Tampa Bay area, but that, that cone shows you um, the where the center of the storm could track. So anywhere in that cone, the center of the storm could be located. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens at 11 o'clock with the update. Models are trending farther south for landfall, and that could occur earlier on Wednesday. So, you know, this is not set in stone, this forecast. Hazards are still the same. You want to be preparing for storm surge flooding, heavy rainfall, damaging, life-threatening winds, all of those hazards. Um, but I, I urge areas south of Tampa, closer to Fort Myers, closer to Sarasota, uh, keep an eye on this forecast because you are not out of the woods yet. And then on top of that, we do have that tornado risk that is going to increase today and tomorrow across much of the peninsula. So multiple hazards going on. Please have a way to get weather alerts, heed emergency managers, heed those weather watches and warnings, and take shelter um, if a warning is issued for your area. Well, thank you so much for coming on WMNS Tuesday, Tuesday Cafe, Megan. Thanks, John, for having me. I really appreciate you coming on. Megan Borowski is a meteorologist with the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. If you missed any of this interview, you can watch it again. It's on our website. It will be on our website this afternoon, wmnf.org, along with all of the latest hurricane information. So I please hope that you use wmnf.org and 88.5 FM, however you listen to the radio station, whether it's on the app or on a smart speaker or on the web to get Keep getting hurricane information. We will be here all throughout the day. I'll break in if there's any information you need. So please stay tuned to WMNF. You are listening to WMNF Tampa. If you'd like to weigh in on anything you've heard, give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can also shout us, at send us a text, 813-433-0885 or email dj at wmnf.org. We're going to hear the governor's latest update in just a minute, but first I want to recap what we know about Hurricane Ian. Hillsborough, Pinellas, Sarasota, Manatee counties have issued mandatory evacuation orders for everyone in Zone A because of major Hurricane Ian. In the last few minutes, you heard that Manatee has extended that to Zone B as well. Pinellas County has issued a mandatory evacuations for A, B, and C. Hillsborough and Manatee counties have issued, well, this Hillsborough has issued a voluntary evacuation order for Zone B. Pasco County has ordered that evacuations in Zones A, B, and C and uh, should begin this morning when the shelters open. So I don't know, I'm, I'm not positive what time the shelters open this morning in Pasco, but once that happens, mandatory evacuations, A, B, and C in Pasco, that includes everyone west of US 19 and some neighborhoods to the east. Hernando County has ordered evacuations of everyone west of US 19 and manufactured homes. So we're gonna hear more about Ian later in the show. We'll also take your calls, but right now I wanna go into the most recent update from the governor. He was speaking maybe about 45 minutes ago. And so I wanna let you hear this. You're listening to WMNF Tampa. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis. Some of the modeling uh, that has been done uh, is now projecting a landfall south of Tampa Bay. 
I know we've talked about the cone of uncertainty where the landfall was projected. We had it in North Florida just a couple days ago. Uh, that's consistently been moved more east into the Florida Peninsula. Uh, yesterday uh, evening, there were a lot of solutions bringing it right into Tampa Bay. Now you have a lot of solutions bringing the landfall into the Sarasota area. Uh, there's still uncertainty with where that exact landfall will be. Uh, but just understand the impacts are going to be far, far broader uh, than just where the eye of the storm happens to make landfall. Uh, in some areas, there will be catastrophic flooding and life-threatening storm surge. And so if you're on Florida's Gulf Coast, uh, from Naples all the way through the Tampa Bay area and some of the counties north of that, uh, that could be something uh, that happens. And, and it will certainly happen uh, in some parts of Florida's Gulf Coast. Now, I know there's folks in Southwest Florida who remember Hurricane Charlie uh, was projected to make uh, a direct impact into Tampa Bay. Uh, and then it turned and, and went in into Southwest Florida. I would just say the, the, the track may end up doing something similar, but this is a much different storm. Charlie was a lot smaller. It was powerful as a category four. Most of the damage from Charlie was from wind and wind destruction. What we have here is really historic storm surge and flooding potential. And so if you're looking at those places in Fort Myers, Charlotte County, uh, Sarasota, uh, the storm surge that you're going to see generated from this uh, is going to far eclipse uh, what we saw there. And so as you look to see uh, what is going on with the local counties, there's evacuation orders that are in place uh, on all these counties uh, from Pasco and Pinellas down uh, to the Fort Myers area. And our recommendation is, is to heed those evacuation orders. Uh, what those evacuation orders are doing is identifying people that live in areas that are vulnerable to major storm surge. And that storm surge uh, can be life-threatening. Uh, there's certain things we can protect against in terms of the wind and the structures, and we've got great building codes. Uh, but when you have five to ten feet of storm surge, uh, that is not something that, that you want to be a, a part of. And um, Mother Nature is a very fearsome uh, 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 adversary. So please heed those warnings. You do not need to evacuate to another state. You don't need to go hundreds of miles away. There's shelters that are open in all of these counties at this point. Uh, the important part of if you're under an evacuation order is evacuate to, to higher ground uh, that is going to be safe from the type of surge and flooding uh, that, that, we're, that we're fearing with this storm. Uh, of course, there's cer certain Floridians that may live in, in mobile homes or manufactured housing that would be vulnerable. If you're under an order, of course, you know you want to be in a structure that is going to be able to withstand uh, some of the hurricane winds. Uh, but, but by and large, uh, we're looking at really, really major storm surge up and down the west coast of Florida. There are people that, of course, you know, are evacuating on different roadways. Uh, there, there has been been traffic, but there has not yet been um, the the backups where FDOT and FHP uh, have opened the emergency shoulder lanes. Uh, they will do that once sustained speeds uh, are at 40 miles per hour or less. And so, when that happens. They will make that call. Uh, people will be able to use those, um, you know, but don't use it until then because that obviously, you know, carries some risk if, if people, um, you know, don't know that that's something that, that, that is going on. Uh, you also can use things like Gas Buddy to find gas stations um, in the area that have fuel. 
And I would note if you look at these updated tracks uh, that we've been getting this morning, and I think you'll probably see that reflected in the 11 a.m. advisory from the National Hurricane Center, uh, you have potential paths of the storm uh, entering Florida's Gulf Coast cutting across the state and exiting into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, that means some of those uh, counties that are more interior, uh, you know, you could absolutely see power outages. You could see inland flooding. Um, you know, you could see various types of tree and, and uh, damage from wind. So, so just be prepared for that. Uh, we were here 48 hours ago, and most of the solutions had it going up the coast, the west coast of Florida. Well, now most of them have it uh, ramming into the state of Florida and cutting across. And so just be, be prepared for that and understand that that's something that could be happening. Uh, Visit Florida has partnered with Expedia to launch an emergency accommodations page. Anyone who has been ordered to evacuate can use this page to find available accommodations in other areas of the state by visiting Expedia.com slash Florida. Again, Expedia.com slash Florida. Uh, we have uh about 2.5 million Floridians that are currently uh, under uh, some type of an evacuation order. Uh, make sure you know your evacuation zones so you can find that at floridadisaster.org slash plan prepare, floridadisaster.org slash plan prepare. And of course, uh, if you are called upon uh, to evacuate, uh, you know, make sure you take care of your pets. Uh, don't leave your pets behind. Uh, when you when you're evacuating, um, and, and you know, there's pet friendly shelters, there's there's things that can be done uh, to take to take care of pets. We want to make sure. So there is information uh, about planning for your pet uh, at floridadisaster.org uh, forward slash plan prepare. Uh, we want to make sure that we're that we're taking care um, of our friends. To find shelters, again, visit floridadisaster.org uh, slash shelters floridadisaster.org slash shelters. Most of these counties are going to have shelters within the county that are in higher ground. The buildings are going to be hurricane proof. They're going to be able to withstand uh, a category three hurricane in terms of the winds, uh, but it's going to put you in a situation where you're not going to be vulnerable to the effects of the storm surge and the effects of the flooding. Uh, we have, of course, suspended tolls uh, starting yesterday to assist people who may be, uh, may, may be moving around the state and, and following evacuation orders. You can look at those facilities at fdot.gov that list them. We may add more if there is a need to do that as the storm impacts other parts of the state, and we will make that announcement uh, at the appropriate time. We have 26 school districts that have announced school closures, uh, and you may and you may very well have more as the track becomes more certain. If you want the most updated school information, go to fldoe.org/storminfo. fldoe.org/storminfo. Uh, we have 5,000 National Guardsmen that are activated. We've got 2,000 additional guardsmen from other states. And I know Jim's been talking uh, with other states uh, you know, to help us with, with even more assets. We do have our urban search and rescue teams activated. We have three additional teams on standby ready to deploy. Our FWC has officers placed in every county um, in anticipation of heavy rains and flooding. And you will see heavy rains in parts of the state uh, that are not necessarily on Florida's Gulf Coast. Uh, we also have high water vehicles and shallow draft boats that are readied for immediate deployment to the affected areas. We also have FWC's aviation section 
placed on standby and it's ready. All appropriate air aircraft are ready for deployment uh, for search and rescue and post-storm damage assessments as needed. Uh, FHP has implemented their 12-hour shifts. They've mobilized additional state troopers to the Gulf Coast. And of course, our partners in the U.S. Coast Guard are standing by and are able and willing to assist. Uh, we do report today 100% of operating long-term care facilities do have a generator on site. Uh, of course, we have a state of emergency for all 67 counties. We are going to keep that in place. I think if you look at the tracks that have come out this morning, uh, the chance that you have major impacts in northwest Florida, of course, have, have declined. Uh, but we also understand there's going to be people that are going to be evacuating, and we want to give every county flexibility uh, to help their fellow Floridians. Uh, we have issued the wa waivers of weights uh, for commercial trucks. We want the fuel and the resources continuing to come into the state. We've spoken with, with our partners uh, there. They're going to keep doing it until um, uh, it's no longer safe to do so because they understand how important it is. Uh, we do have emergency refills of maintenance prescriptions. Uh, those are authorized for another 30 days. And we now have 28,000 across the state between our investor-owned utilities, our municipal utilities, and our rural electric co-ops. More than 28,000 linemen are staged for power restorations across the state of Florida. And we understand as, as the storm hits and passes, the need to be able to restore power uh, as soon as possible for as many Floridians as possible. Uh, make sure you're executing your plan. Uh, this, is, uh, this is imminent. Uh, we appreciate everybody in our counties uh, who've worked very hard uh, to execute uh, their plans. Uh, Kevin will talk a little bit more about from the DEM perspective, but we've had more than we've had about 500 requests for assistance from our, our counties. Uh, the state has fulfilled 466. Some others are on the way, and some will be fulfilled. They just can't be fulfilled until the storm actually hits. Uh, we mentioned sending medical professionals to Hillsborough County Special Needs Shelters. We sent another 120 to surrounding counties. We do have our logistical staging area in Polk County, uh, and we will have additional staging later today. 300 ambulances supporting special needs evacuations have been deployed. Hundreds of generators and pumps have been staged, primarily in the Tampa area. And of course, pre-landfall food and water has been staged uh, for Tampa, Tampa Bay region. Now, as the track has, has moved uh, a little bit more to where you have potentially greater impacts in Southwest Florida. I mean, we knew you were going to get storm surge uh, all along. I mean, it's just the nature of a storm this big. Uh, however, Kevin is going to be mobilizing more resources uh, to be able to assist those counties uh, in the southwest portion uh, of the state of Florida. Again, go to floridadisaster.org forward slash get a plan uh, to make sure that, that you have what you need. You know, you still have time today to, to, to execute uh, what you need to do. If you're in an evacuation zone, you have time to be able uh, to heed those orders. If you're not, you have time to be able uh, to get whatever supplies uh, that you may need uh, to deal with what's going to happen over the next few days. Uh, I would just uh, tell all Floridians who are in the path of this, you know, there's going to be interruptions in things like power, there's going to be interruptions in fuel, maybe interruptions in communications. Uh, that is to be expected, so just plan for that. And of course, all these resources are mobilized to try to restore the services uh, as quickly as possible uh, once it's safe to do so. Uh, safety is paramount. 
when you're talking about storm surge like this, when you're talking about historic flooding, uh, that water is a very, very difficult adversary. You do not want to put yourself uh, in harm's way uh, unnecessarily. So if you're ordered to evacuate, that's a decision based off what we're seeing with this storm, what your local officials are seeing with the storm, and the potential impacts that could have uh, on your part of the state of Florida. And doesn't mean you need to go all across God's creation to evacuate. Just get to the higher ground, get into a safe uh, structure. We have shelters open in all those counties now at the county level, uh, and we would encourage people to, to, to do that. Uh, once the storm passes, you can be able to get back in your home. We'll be able to assess uh, whatever damage uh, may have occurred and be able to, to, to make the, the necessary um, improvements and, and, and rebuild. Uh, but we can't unring the bell if you stay uh, and you end up getting washed away with, with a historic storm surge or get caught in really, really significant flooding. Well, that was Florida Governor. Ron DeSantis speaking about 45 minutes ago at his latest press briefing about Hurricane Ian. And you're listening to WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. If you'd like to ask a question or provide some information, give us a call at 813-239-9663. You can email DJ at WMNF.org. You can text 813-433-0885. I just had Florida Public Radio Emergency Network meteorologist Megan Borowski on the show. So I hope you got good information from that. If not, if you missed any of it, you can go back and listen on WMNF.org or watch the interview again later this afternoon on WMNF.org. Hurricane Ian is a major hurricane. It has maximum sustained winds of 125 miles an hour. It made landfall as a Category 3 hurricane in western Cuba today, and it is barreling toward west central Central Florida, southwest Florida area. The Tampa Bay region is under a hurricane warning and a storm surge warning. Storm surges of up to 10 feet are expected in parts of Pinellas County and Tampa. We'll feel most of the impacts all day long tomorrow and Thursday. Thursday, when the landfall is expected, and when I say Thursday, I'm talking about before dawn on Thursday, high tide in Pinellas County occurs before dawn on Thursday, and low tide is in the early afternoon. Just to recap some of the things we've known from the last few days, the Florida Department of Transportation has suspended tolls in the Tampa Bay area to ease evacuations. Also, Tampa International Airport says on its website that it will suspend all operations beginning at 5 this afternoon. And of course, you know that area school districts, colleges, and universities are closed, some of them through Friday, but all of them through at least Thursday. Many emergency shelters are open or will open soon. I just got word that Pasco shelters are now open. So check your county's website for more information. Our website, WMNF.org, has a list of shelters in all of the counties in Central Florida, so just uh, West Central Florida. So just look at the um, WMNF.org. It's the top story there about Hurricane Ian. And you can find information about the track. You can find information about sandbags and especially about places that you can evacuate to. Here's an interesting uh, point that I got from the city of Treasure Island this morning. The city of Treasure Island, one of the barrier islands uh, due west of St. Pete on the Pinellas Coast, says it will begin shutting down the wastewater collection system at 6 o'clock this evening. They ask residents and businesses to not flush toilets, use showers, or sinks. So if you are on Treasure Island, first of all, you're probably under a mandatory evacuation. But second of all, you won't be able to use your 
toilet showers or sinks in your home or business after six o'clock this afternoon. Also, St. Petersburg is going to be making announcement and sometime today, and they say that they're going to be making a plea to residents. So I'm sure it has something to do with wastewater and reducing the amount of wastewater that's produced. So keep that in mind with the anticipated 15 inches of rain or, or so in Hillsborough and Pinellas counties over the next few days. There will be a stress on the stormwater. And so you will probably be asked to use less water in your house if you're still in your house. This is WMNF Tampa, 88.5 FM. Speaking of Tampa, here is what Jane Castor, the mayor of Tampa said yesterday. Um, and we'll take your calls to 813-239-9663. So here is Tampa Mayor Jane Castor. This is going to be a storm like we have not seen in the past unless there's something that changes drastically even a if it tracks on the most westerly path we're still going to have high winds and we're going to have storm surges we have 120 some miles of coastline in the city of tampa you all know tampa bay is very shallow and so bringing that water into our area is going to have dramatic effect so we need everyone to heed the warnings and take action uh, before it's too late. That was Tampa Mayor Jane Castor speaking yesterday. Of course, yesterday and up through, even through eight o'clock this morning, the storm track for Ian looked like it was going to be a category four storm in the Gulf of Mexico, maybe slow down to about a category three at, at the impact with Florida, which and the latest track looked like it was going to be right on the northern tip of Manatee County or, or right around the Sunshine Skyway Bridge and then track right up the Tampa Bay. But as we, you just heard the governor mention and as we heard our meteorologist Megan mention earlier, that track may be going more further to the east, which means a more southerly landfall perhaps in southern Sarasota County is what the governor says. I just checked the 11 o'clock forecast update is not there yet. Is, has not been updated yet, at least on the website I'm looking at. Sometimes it comes out a few minutes before the hour, but um, we will definitely will be continuing to check that out. Well, speaking of the south of Tampa Bay, which is where it's possible the impact will be the worst, the most um, impacted, Manatee County. Yesterday, the Manatee County administrator gave a um, gave his speech, gave, gave his said some words about Hurricane Ian, and he certainly didn't mince words either, just like Mayor Jane Castor didn't. So tell us what you think about this, especially if you're in Manatee County or Sarasota County. We are looking in the Tampa Bay area of a 10 to 15 foot storm surge with some areas of northern Tampa Bay exceeding 15 feet. That is 15 feet above ground level. That is a tremendous amount of water. You do not want to decide to evacuate when you see water coming under the door of your home. Now is the time to prepare. Tomorrow morning is the time to evacuate to your safe place of choice, whether it's a friend that may be in Lakewood Ranch uh, or a shelter Please evacuate. This storm is very unique. As Chief Lishauer mentioned, it is slowing down. They expect the storm 
in current forecast to only move at five to seven miles an hour from our south to the northern part of Pinellas County. Many people walk at that speed. A slow bicyclist bikes at that speed. We can expect tropical storm force winds and weather and hurricane force winds and weather for a period of time from around 2 a.m. Wednesday morning. The earliest may be 8 p.m. Tuesday evening through 2 to 3 a.m. Friday. 48 hours of hurricane or tropical storm force winds and rain and storm surge in a relentless fashion without a break in the current projections. So you want to get to a safe place to ride out this storm and you want to go to that safe place sometime before sundown tomorrow. And that was, he's talking about sundown today because that was the Manate- Manatee County Administrator and talking yesterday about what, what to expect in Manatee County. And I should remind you that during this show, we found out that Manatee County has extended its mandatory evacuation to zone B as well as zone A. So if you're in Manatee County and if you live in zone A or zone B, you are under mandatory evacuation orders. Citrus County has shelters opening at six o'clock this evening and they are mandating that you must evacuate if you live in an A zone. Pinel, sorry, Pasco County shelters are now open. So uh, that's, that's information as well. And you may be saying, well, Sean, what, how do I know where my zone is? And as you heard earlier in the show, Megan was telling us that you can go to floridadisaster.org slash Know Your Zone, of course, it's K-N-O-W-Y-O-U-R, zone, floridadisaster.org slash know your zone, and you can find out whether you're in zone A, zone B, or one of the others. And a lot of the counties around here have issued mandatory evacuations for people who live in mobile homes or who live in zone A. Manatee County has mandated that you evacuate in zone B, and Pinellas County has issued a mandatory evacuations for zones A, B, and C. Hillsborough County has issued a voluntary evacuation order for zone B. Pasco County has ordered evacuations in zones A, B, and C. That includes everyone west of US 19. It also includes some neighborhoods to the east, and Pasco shelters are now open. Hernando County has ordered evacuations of everyone west of US 19 and of manufactured homes. Reminder that Ian is a major hurricane. It has maximum sustained winds of 125 miles an hour. It made landfall as a category three hurricane in Western Cuba. It's barreling now toward the Southwest Florida region. The Tampa Bay area is under a hurricane warning and a storm surge warning. Storm surges of up to 10 feet are expected in parts of Pinellas County and Tampa and perhaps southward. We will feel most of the impacts from Hurricane Ian all day long tomorrow and Thursday. And the actual impact of the eye onto Florida will probably happen sometime in the very early morning hours of Thursday, which is also when high tide is in Pinellas County. It occurs before dawn on Thursday. Low tide will be in the early afternoon on Thursday. 
If you're thinking about evacuation, the f- evacuating, the Florida Department of Transportation has suspended tolls in the Tampa Bay area. Tampa International Airport says on its website that it will suspend all operations beginning at 5 this afternoon. And area school districts, colleges, and universities are closed through at least Thursday. Many emergency shelters are open or will open soon. You can find emergency shelters two ways. One is to check with your county's website, or you can look at WMNF.org. We have a lot of shelter information there for all the counties in the Tampa Bay area. Ian, again, is a major hurricane. Its maximum sustained winds are 125 miles an hour. So I hope you stay safe out there and continue to tune to WMNF Tampa to get all of the hurricane information. I'll be here. I'll be breaking into the music for short amounts of time all throughout the evening and so on. If If there's anything that we need to know about, keep an eye out for tornadoes. We have emergency broadcast information on anytime there's a tornado warning in the area. So thank you so much for listening to WMNF Tampa's Tuesday Cafe. And I want to thank my guest, Florida Public Radio Emergency Network meteorologist, Megan Borowski. And if you missed any of the interview I did with Megan, you can hear it on our website, WMNF.org later this afternoon. And you can also hear, watch the interview on the website, WMNF.org as well. I'll get that posted probably by about one o'clock. You can also get updated hurricane information on Hurricane Ian on WMNF.org as well. I want to thank our phone screener today, Greg. You have been listening to the Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. If you like the programming on 88.5 FM, please consider making a donation at WMNF.org. In this time slot tomorrow, you'll hear Midpoint. Next up is Wavemakers with Janet and Tom Sherberger. That's coming up after NPR headlines. You're listening to WMNF Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, Lakeland, Venice, Clearwater, Newport Ritchie, and beyond. Thanks so much for listening and be safe.